Digest This, Taking Ownership of Your Spiritual Journey. I'm here to encourage you in the midst of these uncertain times to continue to raise the standard in your spiritual development. It is so imperative now that as things around you may seem to be falling apart, that you keep it together, or rather allow God to keep you together. I'm Alicia, and let's grow together. Quite a bit has happened since our last episode. We are living in strange times, and I hope and pray you and your families are healthy and safe. I just want to motivate you during this pandemic to raise the standard. And I'm not talking about setting a bar high for going after material things or followers, but raise the standard in your spiritual life. This pandemic has literally exposed where our standards are individually and collectively. We are in a unique position to take a look in the mirror and truly evaluate ourselves. So what have you been doing up to this point? What are you doing now? We are in a position now to see more clearly because a lot of the distractions have been removed. Now we can see what really motivates us to do what we do. Do we really have a relationship with our family? You may be asking yourself if you have children, do our children really know us? Do we really know them? And are we willing to get to know them? Are we willing to have a real conversation with our spouse, with our friends? Do we like how we're living? Do we know how to cook? Do we know how to organize? So right now we're all learning how to be ourselves in our space right now. We can't hide in church, we can't hide on our jobs, we can't hide in any extracurricular activities. We've got to face ourselves, our past, our present, and think about our future. If we were going through life half sleep, this pandemic may have woken us up. For me, I, I woke up prior to this pandemic, and so I was already sort of in the reflection mode and have been for a few years now. I woke up and wondered how I got where I am. I knew I needed to change, and through prayer and studying God's word back then, it prepared me to be able to handle this situation right now. All change is challenging, but it would have been more challenging had I not made changes earlier. So, if you consider yourself a Christian and are not where you want to be, I'm here to encourage you to remember a few things. When you become a member of the kingdom, the church is more than a building. And this is so prevalent right now. But the church has never been about the building. It's always been about the people. In order to make it through this pandemic better than we started out, we need to remember this one scripture that will that might help us make sense of everything. It says in 1 Corinthians 1 and 27, 
But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. I ask that you meditate on this scripture, and in our next segment of Digest This, Taking Ownership of Your Spiritual Journey, we're going to dig a little deeper and see how this scripture can be applied to what we are seeing in the world today. God would not have us be ignorant, but he is ready to help us get an understanding and have wisdom in the mysteries of his word. You've been listening to Elisha, and I pray that you are able to be more grounded, to set your priorities, and to draw closer to God and his word during this season. There may be others around you that have no idea what you're going through, but I guarantee you that God knows and wants to prepare you for what is to come in your life. Until next time, let's grow together. Be blessed. our discussion on this one scripture I asked you to ponder last time. You are listening to Digest This, Taking Ownership of Your Spiritual Journey. I'm Alicia and I asked you to ponder 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 27. It says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. As we said in the prior segment, we have a unique opportunity to raise the standard in our spiritual lives during this pandemic where many distractions have been removed and many institutions have been shut down. We are in isolation either by ourselves or with our family unit. The scripture I just read actually gives me hope in God because it shows that whatever is happening in the world is having the opposite effect in the spirit. Not to discount the devastation that has happened because of the virus and the lives that have been lost, but this scripture points out that even when things look one way, they are actually another way. Sometimes we see this right away, but sometimes it will take some time for us to see the bigger picture when this all pans out. I just want to give words of encouragement either way during this challenging time that all things either work or are working out for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So I hope you had a chance to meditate on this scripture that says that God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And when we look at the state of our country, we initially may have thought shutting down was a bad thing overall. But when we look at the results of the shutdown, the lock-ins, the safe at home mandates, the results were not all bad. It really depends on your perspective. Even if things were bad, it shed light to what may have already been there in, and the pandemic just magnified it. And when things magnify, you can't help but 
get a closer look. And when I think of the latter part of this scripture that says God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, the world system or man-made system doesn't care about the weak. All this time, the jobs that are considered less than have actually been sustaining us through this pandemic. Usually we deem an important job worthy of a significant salary. Now we have a number of essential workers that get paid minimum wages and have no health care. The world considered these jobs as non-essential, but in fact, they were actually essential when we were made to take a closer look in this pandemic. This is what we can see now. I believe, however, that in the months and years to come that we are going to see more manifestation of this scripture in the form of a backfire. This again is a word of encouragement for those who are feeling like they are getting the short end of the stick right now and or they're feeling as though they're being challenged in ways others are not. Next time, we're going to delve into this term backfire and explore where we see this happening in the Bible and define what it is and what the requirements need to be present in order for this to happen. You've been listening to Elisha, and I pray that you are encouraged and in knowing that even if it looks one way, God is still in control and is working things out for your good. Until next time, let's grow together. Be blessed. And we are back to continue our talk on a topic that may not make sense, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. This could be the reason you are listening in the first place. You need God's word to help you make it through life. In fact, God's word is life-giving. We left off on a term that we are going to explore and connect it with our main scripture for this series of Raising the Standard. We're talking about a backfire. Several weeks ago, while I was praying and really asking God questions like, why would the states be opened up when there's still people dying from the virus and there's no vaccine? How long will it be before we change our society and what will it really take to end racism? Yes, I was asking God all the hard questions because no one has been giving any answers. Then I was led to search out backfire. At the time, it made sense to me because if someone is trying to do harm to someone else intentionally, then you want it to backfire to teach that person a lesson. But I believe there had to be more to it. And I never really picked that term apart to know what it meant. 
But then I was reminded of Joseph and how his brothers threw him in the pit because they were jealous of his dream and of their father's special treatment toward him. But their plan to sell him into slavery backfired and actually positioned him to be second in command when the famine came. Or how Sanballat's plan backfired when he was trying to stop Nehemiah from rebuilding the temple. Sanballat's plan to discourage and mock the Jews backfired and gave them the fuel they needed to have a mind to work. Sometimes when you know someone is against you, it motivates you to make sure you keep working while they're hating. Or even how Haman's plan of having Mordecai hang on the gallows ended up being for him. This is what we see in the Bible as a backfire. It's all throughout the Bible, really. The many times where that one person meant for evil, what one person meant for evil, God had worked it out for their good. Now, if you have no idea what these Bible references are, then you're missing out on the encouragement that God can give you in your isolation through his word. So go back and read the book of Genesis, read the book of Nehemiah and the book of Esther, and you'll see how God works in the lives of his people. Now, when I looked up the word backfire, there were three meanings to this word. One we are all familiar with, to bring a result opposite to that which was planned or expected. Like in an explosion coming out of the breach of a firearm. And the breach is the opening where, in a gun where the bullets are loaded. So in other words, the person loading the bullets will be harmed, not the one where the bullets were being pointed at. So that's the first definition of uh, backfire. The second is a loud, premature explosion in the intake manifold of an engine in a car. I know that cars backfire, but I had to do a little more research on cars to understand this, and I looked up why do cars backfire. And if anyone knows about cars, they know the answer. It's either poorly adjusted ignition timing or crossed spark plug wires or a valve is bent so that it doesn't close all the way and creates a leak. Now if you don't know anything about cars like me I just took away the main idea that there was either a timing issue or a positioning issue. And then the last meaning of this word backfire has to do with a fire that is started intentionally to check the advance of a forest or a prairie fire. So a fire is started in advance of another fire that is headed in a direction so that when the fire gets to the area where the fire was previously set, it'll reach a section that is already dead and there won't be anything left to burn. So it'll result in ending the fire and preventing it from causing more damage. So, that was a lot of information. To recap, 
three main ways a backfire can be described is number one, the outcome is opposite of what's expected, like in a gun backfiring. Number two, the outcome is a result of poor timing or poor positioning, as in a car backfiring. And number three, the outcome is expected but necessary to prevent a worse outcome. So, my question for you to ponder until the next segment is, how can something be intentional and unexpected? How can something have poor timing, but be at the right time? And if you listen to the prior segment, you may already know where we're headed. We're gonna bring it full circle in our next edition of Digest This, taking ownership of your spiritual journey. This is Alicia, and I pray that you were encouraged by the word of God. Remember, your life story is still being written, and as long as you're alive, you can tell of your tests and testimonies. Until next time, let's grow together. Be blessed. to continue our discussion on raising the standard. I hope you had time to digest the term backfire and had a chance to think on how it applies to you. You are listening once again to Digest This, Taking Ownership of Your Spiritual Journey. I'm Alicia and I thank you for joining me. The question I posed at the end of the last segment after defining and explaining the term backfire was asking how can something be both intentional and unexpected or have poor timing but be in the right time. We now come full circle to the main scripture for this episode. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. God uses the method of a backfire to help us have a practical view of this scripture. For those of you who are feeling down and out or at your very lowest, there is hope because as I heard someone say, your setback is just a set up for a comeback. Regarding the three examples from the Bible I gave before, Joseph and his brother's jealousy, Sambalat's anger toward Nehemiah, and Haman's intent to kill Mordecai when there was a wrong motive on the part of the aggressor, This gave the opportunity for a backfire to occur. Some of you may have already had testimonies about this on your job and your family. Or maybe you had a plan backfire on you because you had the wrong motive. Now's the time to be honest with ourselves because God already knows. I said all of that to say that God is trying to speak to all of us now during this pandemic. He has always been trying to speak to us, but right now, if you are not able to hear the voice of God, then you probably feel pretty lost. Unless you have some special intel, it's very hard to tell who actually has your best interest at heart. God sees the heart of man, so if someone says one thing and there is a hesitation inside of you, 
it makes you wonder what their motive or intention truly is. There is a high cost to being separate from God. If you want to change your mental state and circumstance or the existing conditions you are in, it must begin with raising the standard in your heart and your mouth. When I talk about conditions and circumstances, I'm not talking about the weather making us feel a certain way or any material things that we can touch, see, or hear, because we were never meant to be moved, motivated, or influenced by external circumstances. The external conditions were meant to be influenced and moved by us. If God had determined that the void was going to be the defining factor, he would not have spoken to it and created the heavens and the earth. This is what we are learning in our time of isolation. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 10 gives us a picture of the average person who is stumbling through life and letting it just happen. It says, We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. People like this are taking in the information, but not applying what they have learned. We may have listened to the sermon when we went to church, but we don't study the scriptures or even pray in our own time. So when life hits us and a pandemic comes and isolates us, we feel helpless. But God would not leave us without protection. Once we know better, we do better. For some, this pandemic has driven people closer to God, and fear has scared us into praying more. How has this pandemic affected your spiritual journey? Are you compelled to do more? Or are you waiting for everything to open back up? On our next segment of Digest This, Taking Ownership of Your Spiritual Journey, we are going to end part one of Raising the Standard by extracting the lessons we can learn from a passage of scripture, which I will read at the start of the podcast. If you would like to read it prior to listening, it is in Isaiah chapter 59, verses 14 through 21. I encourage you to read it, read the whole chapter in various translations to get a better understanding. This is Alicia, and I pray that you are being equipped with the word of God to combat every negative emotion or thought you may have about your situation and can confidently say to yourself that he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Until then, let's continue to grow together. Be blessed. And we are back for the final segment of Raise the Standard, part one. I didn't realize it would be part one until we finished the fourth segment. So I'm glad you're joining me on this journey. And my hope is that this is encouraging you to get closer to God and motivate you to study his word. You're listening to Digest This, 
taking ownership of your spiritual journey. I'm your host, Elisha, and we're going to delve right in. First, I will read a scripture that gives us a picture of a people who are separate from God. It's in the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, verses 14 through 21. Again, I encourage you to read it on your own and read the entire chapter in different translations. But I'll be reading it in the King James Version because I like the way the words flow. Let's see if I can flow with the words. (laughs) Starting at verse 14, it says, And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. For truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. And he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness, it sustained him. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the islands he will repay recompense. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed's seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forevermore. So this whole 59th chapter describes what it is like to be separated from God. The more they yearned for light, the deeper they sank in darkness. People were not looking to God for guidance, but they put other things in God's place. God was amazed that no one was interceding or intervening to help the oppressed. Now the good news is that he stepped in and saved the people and future generations. But look how low they had to get before God intervened. And there are still some lessons we can learn from this passage to help us identify if we have become separate from God individually and collectively. The first lesson is when we are separated from God, we're lost. We don't have the ability to see what we should do. And everyone is exposed. We're exposed to the threat of evil and wrongdoing and hate. 
The second lesson is, when we're separate from God, God still sees what's going on, and he waits to see if anyone is going to intervene through interceding or through prayer. And then the third lesson we can gain from this is, when we're separate from God, God can still intervene. And when he intervenes, he does so by raising a standard. So you may be trying to overcome the opposition by using your own tactics. And right now, lines are blurred and what appears to be good may have ulterior motives. If you apply the strategy that God has given us and raise the standard, then you will have the victory. So ask yourself, now that you can't hide behind the different activities that you were involved in, and you can't hide behind your church or your job or, or anything, how are you raising a standard against the enemy that's trying to defeat you? Are you relying on what the world or world leaders are telling you? Are you leaning on your own understanding? Are you confident in knowing God's voice in your life? And what is the standard in your heart? In Luke chapter 10, verse 27, it says, Love God with all your heart, soul, and spirit, and, the, and love your neighbor, then love your neighbor as yourself. And if you believe in the Bible, then that would be the standard for your heart. The question is now, how do you get there? You know what the standard is. How do you get to that point? Well, you spend time with God. Get to know him through his word. And when we develop love in our hearts toward God, it empowers us to know that when the unexpected happens or when the unwanted occurs, God is there loving us and using it all to fulfill his plan. The higher the standard is raised in your spiritual life, the closer and deeper your relationship with God will be. It's not about arriving at the top. It's about a constant progression and continual incremental movement from where you were and are. So the best place to start is, in my opinion, is raising the standard within your heart. There was a song back in the day that said, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. So let's just start with love first, because you can read the scripture and pray and worship, but if you don't have love in your hearts, then you only have religion and no relationship. You only have rituals and no real, genuine relationship. We will have a part two to this series because it's such a vast topic, but for now, I think I've given you enough to chew on and to digest. You've been listening to Digest This, Taking Ownership of Your Spiritual Journey. This series has been on Raising the Standard, 
We discussed the term backfire and how it ties in with the scripture that says, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Then we talked about what a society, what a society that is separated from God looks like, and the lessons we can learn. And finally, the solution to any negative situation we face is to raise the standard in our spiritual life, which may seem foolish to the world, but according to his word, this is what God uses to confound the wise. This is Alicia, and I pray that you are able to raise the standard in your spiritual life, beginning with your heart. The more you, t- uh, the more you spend time with God, the more his attributes rub off on you. I'm so glad you joined me in this series. Let's all continue to grow together. Be blessed.